This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. She's a historic house manager, a dancer, a stage manager. She manages lots of things. She's a historian, a cocktail master, and the other person who lives in this house. It is my wife and partner, Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here and being so peppy. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Please answer every question. Not peppy. Make all the peppy (laughs) statements that you want. Uh, It is befitting of our topic. Which we'll get to in a moment. Yes. But first, I want to have some uh, honesty in podcasting that we have some drinks here tonight. We do. We have some nice, fun, festive beverages. I can start with mine. Please. I have two festive beverages. (laughs) One is water, which I do feel is festive. (laughs) It's filtered. It's filtered. Filtered for more festivity. Exactly. And then I also have um, one of my favorite drinks, which is an aviation. And it's gin-based, right? It is gin-based. It has some maraschino liqueur uh, and some uh, creme de violette, some lemon. It's got a little cherry in it. And then just a splash of memories of the 1920s, right? Exactly. I mean, it's such a 1920s drink, right? It just feels like you should be wearing... Um, a flapper dress and smelling violets on the air. <laughs> well, I will uh, try that manner of drinking in aviation the next time we have it. <laughs> and I think I will enjoy Please it do. even more. I have a martini, which uh, yes. you made for me, and no, but I thought yes. the audience would like to know yes. that Sarah made me a martini and I'm going to be sipping on it. And I'd like to clarify it as a gin martini with a twist. Yes, exactly. I'm not a big olive fan, and, uh, and you stir, right? I do stir. You stir. Yeah, yes. so sorry, James Bond. Yep. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about James Bond and his uh, pedantic attitude toward martinis. <laughs> we are talking about a different British hero, yeah, Mary Poppins. Do-do-do! <laughs> so uh, just to elucidate a little bit why we're talking about Mary Poppins, obviously the big sequel, Decades in the Making, Mary Poppins Returns, is coming out relatively soon. Uh, but from my perspective, if I may share. Please do. This is one of those movies that I have never seen in its entirety before we watched it recently. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility I saw it all broken up in bits and pieces on television years and years and years ago, but I had a general cultural awareness of it. And it's a movie that is happens in our relationship often. One of us is like, I really want to be sure to rewatch this classic. And we're both like, yeah, yeah, we should get to that sometime. Mm-hmm. We finally got to it with Mary Poppins, and then you kind of just exploded with joy (laughs) and i realized once the movie actually started realized how obsessed you actually are with this movie you are truly obsessed because sometimes we talk about topics just because like hey it's it's in the cultural zeitgeist and we we want to talk about them but you are truly obsessed with mary poppins yeah and i actually didn't suggest it thinking that i was okay i suggested like this would be fun and then once it came into my head that oh this might be a good um thing to talk about and we wanted we had talked about rewatching it anyway uh, or watching it for you rewatching it for me the more i thought about it the more i was like oh 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 i've got so much to say and then watching it <laughs> Um, which we'll get into all of that, I realized that I was even more obsessed than I thought. To clarify, we watched it maybe like a day and a half ago, and really if I could have watched it three more times since then, I would have. <laughs> My schedule yeah. did not allow that, but if I could have, I totally would have. But in your mind, you're watching Mary Poppins right now. all the time. <laughs> all Right now. <laughs> That's good to know. Let me know what scene you're on <laughs> when we get to specific questions. Uh, so I obviously uh, want to talk to you about it, but I want to lay the groundwork yeah. of my own expectations. 
in that Mary Poppins, the movie, was much different than I thought. I guess it's not that different, but uh, the ways in which it was different had a big impact on me. So I understood that Mary Poppins was a magical nanny who comes and she's got the umbrella and she teaches this family some valuable life lessons, including wonder. I'm like, okay, great. I know that. I know Dick Van Dyke pops up and he's got a uh, a unique Cockney accent that has been celebrated and discussed <laughs> <laughs> over the decades. Um, and I knew it was a musical. What I didn't know is that it was bonkers from beginning to end. I thought it was <laughs> that it's kind of a real world. The same way sometimes the musicals happen in utterly real worlds, and then it's just yeah. the one, the one you know, bizarre thing is that they sing their feelings. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't realize. I thought she was going to be the magical weird element. I didn't realize it was going to start with. Here's a strange lane in London where there is an ancient British sailor who's reconstructed a boat on the top of his house and fires a cannon all the time. I didn't realize uh-huh. that the whole thing was going to be trippy. I didn't realize that the famous Dick Van Dyke dancing with animals was because they jumped into a chalk drawing for oh, what you seemed didn't know that. for what seemed like 45 minutes worth of the film. No <laughs> criticism. It was probably my favorite part, but I didn't realize wow. how much of the magic was from everywhere, yeah. not just from Mary Poppins. I thought it was like the world is a straight line. Mary Poppins is the curvy line that changes things. And right. while that is true, it is not entirely true. So honestly, I, I enjoyed the hell out of the movie. I was a little tired. I was sipping a cocktail and I kind of felt like I have truly, I, I'm watching Fantasia. I, I felt like, <laughs> I think if I play, you know, Pink Floyd's, uh, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, it might line up to Mary Poppins. Like I, it felt trippy to me. Yeah. And that's a compliment, but I was surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. You, it was, it was um, fun to see, <laughs> interesting, uh, to see how, when it finished, because I was having such a good time, but wanted to make sure you were doing okay. I know you are not always a big fan of musicals. and I like most musicals. It's the ones that get to a little bit more saccharine place. The, the saccharine place that I, I believe that we talked before about um, in person, not on podcasts, about sometimes just the like people bursting into a song feels unnatural. So let's just acknowledge that. But um, so I just wanted to check in because just see how you were doing. And you seemed like you're doing well. And then at the end, you're just kind of like, <laughs> like your eyes were big round saucers in the best possible way. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was just really fun to see. Um, and and I hadn't seen it for a while. And so to rewatch it and then have that experience of watching it with you who'd never seen it was just really uh, a fun, exciting, different way to experience the movie. Awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, just for clarity, I do like musicals and I don't mind the the bursting into song it's that sometimes there's certain musicals that i feel like are a little bit more happy without any sort of um tragedy or a sense of irony or darkness to ground them and Mm -hmm. i did think mary poppins i was surprised by that because some of the songs that i've heard you know that i know are from mary poppins have always felt a little overly feel good to me but now seeing the actual context that they're coming from i Mm -hmm. like them a lot more because there is a little bit of uh, there's a lot of weirdness, and yeah. a lot of darkness going yeah. on, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell me about the first time you saw the film and or just the impression of it, if you don't remember the very yeah. first time. 
I don't remember. And okay. I, I honestly don't know if it's because... Were you in the womb? Is it possible that <laughs> your parents watched it? It's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, we were talking about, you know, was this like the Thanksgiving movie or something back back in the days of we just got to air, watch things when they were aired yeah. um, on, on the television. I don't remember the first time I saw it, um, but I also feel like it was kind of around... Mm. But it wasn't something that I saw all the time. Like, I think I saw some of the other, like, like Wizard of Oz. I know I saw annually. Okay. <laughs> when it was on TV. Um, Mary Poppins, I don't think was on as often, but I think I'd seen it. My um, my one, my mother, for people who have not listened to every single podcast I've ever been on, is a big fan of musicals. Um, she was in musicals when I was a little kid. She's a tap dancer. She And so she has a great... Um, joy and uh excitement about musicals and about mary poppins and about julie andrews in particular and so i think that element i had i'm sure we had a record that included songs from it like i'm okay. sure i heard supercalifragilisticexpialidocious before i was close to even saying super okay before you even like knew what the concept of a movie was you knew supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yeah i like some of the key songs i think is probably how i first learned it okay um, but I honestly don't know that for sure. So as you were growing up, and, and obviously it was, uh, sounds like it was a fan favorite in your uh, family. Yes. A family favorite in your family. Uh, and we'll get back to that a little bit. Yeah. But was it just you a thing that was, yeah, Mary Poppins, it's in the culture, everybody knows it. Or did you like talk to kids at school about Mary Poppins? Oh, probably not. Okay. No, I think it was just kind of, you know, we we were big fans of of Mary Poppins, of Julie Andrews, within our, by we, I mean, within my family. Okay. I mean, I was a, I was a dancer. I was in, you know, I was an actor. I was in musicals when I was a kid. And so I think it was just kind of part of, part of that culture, but it isn't like it was an active discussion. Being aware of Mary Poppins is like being aware that the floor is there. Like, right. It's just like a part of the world of musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Singing and dancing. Like, I mean. Absolutely. And I think there's a little bit of that, um, that a sense of, uh, you know, kind of like, I think I had my own little sheltered opinion of it and then branched out in the world where not everybody thought Dick Van Dyke had a perfect Cockney accent. And, you know, and some of the people, some of the... <laughs> was, that, was that a challenging conversation with a friend or something? No, no. I just think that as as I myself became more aware of the world um, beyond what was in my head. Okay. Um, and just kind of other people's reactions to things and understanding how big of a deal the animation was at the time um and even i mean it's amazing animation in it it's still great yeah. and uh so just kind of seeing it from the um from the craft perspective of it rather than you know when you're a kid it's like here's here's this magic thing on the box or here's this magic song right and, it just and you sort don't of think exists. about its creation yeah and i think that as i got older then i was more aware of its creation which gives it a just a different approach yeah it gives it its context and in, in its history of mm-hmm. movie making and dance and singing and songwriting and everything and animation uh so how did your family express uh their ongoing love of mary poppins <laughs> like you had records right yeah i mean i will say it's sounding a little bit like we were the little like mary poppins family i probably if we watched it, it probably was not multiple times. And I think I had a record of uh, songs of that Julie Andrews sang. Okay. Um, so it was just a few of the songs. It wasn't like I had the soundtrack, um, which is why when, if I can jump forward to a thing that I told you about. Yeah, please. Um, so when the uh, musical, 
it was an anniversary year and there was a I think the DVD of it um, or the CD of it we had we had a funny Stevenson family circle <laughs> of gifts because I bought it for my brother and my parents and I think my brother bought it for my parents and maybe for me and like we all gave each other Mary Poppins uh, and I don't think you know my, I think my brother liked it but I don't think he was as into it as my mom and I were yeah but he but he knew that we were, and he certainly, I think, really likes it. Okay. So it, it was regarded then as sort of like just a beloved classic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it isn't like we had annual family listening to the album or like we dressed up as Mary Poppins. Okay. Uh, which I really should have. I dressed up as a lot of things like Mary Poppins for Halloween, and I never did Mary Poppins. When you said you dressed up things like Mary Poppins for well, Halloween... Like- like, I dressed up as Pippi Longstocking one year. Okay. And to me, it seems like Mary Poppins would be the next logical choice. <laughs> it just evolves. <laughs> Why not? From Pippi into Mary yeah. Poppins. From Pippi to Poppins. Yeah. Your Halloween story. And it might just be that it's something I've become more obsessed with as an adult, and I wasn't as obsessed with it as a kid, because it just wasn't yeah. around as much. Well, let me ask you this, and we'll get into some details, but I think you are describing a totally normal relationship with a piece of media in the 1980s, mm-hmm. you know, VHSs were starting to become obviously much more affordable and HBO and, you know, various cable channels were starting to be there. But a normal relationship with a piece of media at that time was you watched it when it was on television. You saw it in the theater if you were alive mm-hmm. and maybe you rented it or maybe you had the album, but you just kind of liked it. And now we're in a different place where yeah. where it is really people are truly making media a part of their identity and they're staking a claim of like, this is one of my top five and these are the different ways I want to embrace it. So I think it, it really has changed yeah. how we embrace different kinds of media. So do you feel like um, that was part of your discovery when we rewatched it that like this movie means that much to you in this different world that we live in now because you had this perfectly normal relationship with as a kid is like Mm -hmm. it was a movie that you liked yeah in a normal way that people like movies but now like we live in this different world and Mm -hmm. i work in this entertainment industry that celebrates and gets excited about specific kind of media and makes them a part of your day-to-day life your identity yeah did you see mary poppins differently given that that's the world we live in now is, um, is that making sense? It makes sense. I, I, not really. I think I think I was just. Uh, it had probably been at least twelve years since I had seen it. Okay, and just rewatching it brought me such joy. <laughs> I think I was just uh, a bubble of joy, and also I just really enjoyed seeing things in it that I hadn't seen before. Because I think because I, you know, am am older than I was twelve years ago. Because that's how <laughs> time works. Have seen a lot more things, um, movies, and I think uh, I think I just some of the details that maybe I was just. I think I was just always so taken with the story. Okay, I always wanted. I always wanted that idea that Mary Poppins could come pop into anybody's life. Okay. And I think that is what I was taken with. And then this time watching it, I was still taken with that, but I was also taken with um, just some of the movie making elements of it Okay, as well. So um, as a child or now, did you relate to the film more of wanting Mary Poppins to visit or did you want to be Mary Poppins? Um, Which kind of hero ooh. identification did you have? Both. Okay. Very definitely both. I mean, as a 
Mary Poppins was amazing. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be Julie Andrews? <laughs> also, who doesn't want to be one of the chimney sweeps and do that dance on the rooftops? Yeah. Uh, so I would also take being Bert, which is Dick Van Dyke's <laughs> character. Um, so from that element, like, yes. And I, you know, especially when I saw it when I was younger, that was, I was like, that would be amazing to be a dancer in a movie like this. And so there is that that element of it which was totally separate okay but then also just the sense of wonder and joy of if we can maybe say mary poppins uh, opening the eyes of the people around her to the magic that does exist within the world yeah of that element but just but the slightly mysterious and the coming in on the wind and you know having this magic carpet bag that she can pull things out of even when it looks empty like all of those little details i just really liked i really liked um still like throughout my life, like those kind of fantastical ideas Yeah, that you can have something fantastic in the kind of greater than daily life within daily life. Yeah, And I think that's part of what has always drawn me to it as much as I, you know, like all the overall story and songs and dance and all yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, that totally makes sense. Did you want to be a producer of that wonder? Did you want to be able to create it? As in myself being Mary yeah. Poppins pulling things out of the bag? Of yeah. course. Okay. <laughs> of course. So here's the another thing is I always wanted to be able to live in the clouds. Okay. Like, and she starts sitting in the clouds. So yeah. So I think probably that got into some like subliminal level of my head. And I, you know, for all I know, I was like 15 when I first saw it. I honestly don't remember when yeah. I first saw the movie. But um, I was certainly younger than that. But I think I, um, but that idea of being able to float and perch in the fluffy white clouds just was such a magical idea. And she's embodying one of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, that that's very true. Cause this is one of those fun, uh, backwards mysteries to fill in about your spouse or partner uh-huh. that <laughs> we had a big rewatch of all of the modern doctor who there's one Christmas special where the 11th doctor is, uh, bummed out. And at the beginning of the Christmas special, he has parked the TARDIS in the clouds and is just mm-hmm. hanging out there being bummed out. And I remember as our rewatch, you got really excited. I was like, is this the one where the TARDIS is in the clouds? (laughs) It's like, what? It's like, I didn't remember. I can't remember. And you were so excited about that image of the TARDIS in the clouds. Not only that. And that's because the doctor was being like Mary Poppins. Yeah. And there was a spiral staircase up to the clouds. Even better. Yeah. All right. So what speaks to you in that image? Is it that just sort of floating above the horizon? You can kind of see the world. You can see the problems you can see which way the wind is blowing but you're kind of separate from it all what what is it that's speaking to you in that image i think it's the sense in the world where this is possible it's that sense of like truly being able to touch a part of truly be able to touch a part of nature i think it's the part okay, of this, to put your butt on the clouds <laughs> yeah or just to run around like i because to me sometimes if i would picture it it's a field of white puffy clouds it's not yeah. even about seeing things and now of course i would want to see things and i would want to help people but i think as a kid it was just what a fun amazing imaginative play space that would be yeah and i think it's the same i think i feel similarly about forests and trees and it's just i love i just have this deep kinship with trees and clouds. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I would imagine, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that I think there is some deep sense of uh, the ancient or the uh, being connected to something that is both real and tangible. Trees are right here and clouds are right there and science can explain them, but they mm-hmm. also give us that sense of wonder because they mm-hmm. seem like something we would have dreamt up in a fantasy story. Yeah. And to connect to that. 
Yeah. Seems you awesome. Know, you lay on your back on the grass as a kid and you see the big white puffy clouds up in the sky. And yeah. You wonder what life is like up there and yeah. why isn't there a whole nother world out there? Maybe there is. You and don't what know. What if the nanny is sitting on them? Right? Yeah. You don't yeah. know. That is so awesome. You're only five. <laughs> so do you think, you mentioned this already, that there's a lot of singing, obviously. There's uh, a lot of dancing, but in particular that big chimney sweep dance. Mm-hmm. Do you think this movie contributed to your desire to be a singer and dancer? Um. I can't say yes to that because I just don't remember when I saw it. Yeah. And I don't remember because a time when I wasn't singing and dancing. Because it was just everywhere. This is in, in your growing up, singing and dancing. With yeah. Like your, your, the, your parents were involved in it. Yeah. Every record you listened to was in this kind of mold, right? Um, no, not necessarily, but like... I mean, classical music too, but... Yeah, I mean, we had some albums of this, but some of my earliest memories are going to watch my mom in rehearsals for Carousel, okay. which is another musical. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> we have early, early video of young five-year-old Sarah singing and dancing on the driveway of her their house in Minnesota. Uh, so <laughs> I, it was just, it, it was, I mean, I think a lot of kids have that, just like, I'm going to speak, sing to you. And that's kind of what it was. Um, but it was oh, such yeah, a part Poppins of... Mary is like a fancy version of that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> so I, I can't give Mary Poppins credit for that just because I don't remember when I saw it. Okay. Okay. Just when I saw the the chimney dance, it was just like, oh, how could young Sarah see this and not want to be a dancer? Yeah. Just well, the how exuberant that chimney sweep dances and how inventive and fun and yes well i still to this day watch that and i'm like i want to do that <laughs> so all right middle-aged sarah also wants that hashtag life goals we will uh, <laughs> we'll figure that out um let's get into a little bit more of the movie itself we talked yeah. a little bit about your relationship to it and that will come up more but who do you think mary poppins actually is is a character for you like um in the movie, mm-hmm. everyone celebrates Mary Poppins. Bert's mm-hmm. like, oh, Mary Poppins is coming and come back soon, Mary Poppins. Um, and there's a cultural like love, not just of the movie, but mm-hmm. of the character. And uh, I see her as like a mix of things. She's compassionate, but she's also kind of straight laced. Uh, she believes in wonder, but she also believes in like responsibility and getting the task in front of you done. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, who do you think she is? Um, um, that's a good question that I don't know if I can put an answer into words. I think it is just kind of coming back to what I was saying before. I think to me, she is a little bit of that finding the element of joy and wonder. Take, for example, a spoonful of sugar, which is about tidying up your room, um, and other things, but (laughs) while it's happening, uh, the, while the song is happening, the two young kids that she is the nanny to are having to tidy up their room. And uh, she then starts using magic by snapping her fingers to put all of the things away and all the toy soldiers like march back into the boxes. But just that idea of getting things done but having a smile and maybe sometimes having a secret smile because there might be secrets that... Not even that you know that other people don't know because that sounds very exclusive. I almost mean like there are secrets in the world that we don't all know, which sounds very anti-science, which is not how I feel. Yeah. But I like that element of imagination and wonder. And I think that's ultimately what the movie comes down to, what Mary Poppins in the movie comes down to for me. That's really fascinating because I I feel like in in the movie, she's got a a couple of like you could you can clearly see uh, perspectives and traits. Mm hmm. But one of them is 
that she is kind of unknowable. Yes. That she that she has certain things. She has like so much agency. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I'm uh, the wind blew me here, and I sense that this family and these children need me, and I'm I'm going to be the nanny. Mm-hmm. You can't fire me. Yeah. Uh, and she's got that one line on the stairs that I keep forgetting what it is when she's like, I never explain myself. Yeah. It's like very enigmatic stuff. So that that's what I was struck by by this character that people are like. We love her. She's Mary Poppins. And then to see that Mary, a big part of Mary Poppins' charm is, you don't know me. You yeah. can never know me. I sit oh, on yeah. clouds and I blow away with the wind. Try to figure me out. You can't. Yeah. Bye. And right now, I'll seem really happy and jolly, but later on, make a reference to the fact that we jumped in the sidewalk and I'll tell you I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, like talk about <laughs> gaslighting. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, because she, she's also has that very pragmatic side and there's the whole, like with Mr. Banks, the kid's father of really, you know, talking, spinning his words so that he brings the kids to the bank with him. And, um, yeah, I mean, and that's a manipulation because it's what she thinks he needs and what the kids need. Right. It is. But I also feel like, but because she does have that very, uh, straight lace, prim and proper, it's not only enigmatic is a great word for it but it is that combination and i i may be focusing on the the joy and wonder because that's what i feel about it but i think ultimately it's that there's a full range of emotions yeah and honestly this is one of the things that i sometimes forget about mary poppins because it starts and i get all excited and i have seen this movie multiple times i you know have listened to the soundtrack multiple times i own the some of the books uh spoiler alert for people who have never seen mary poppins she leaves at the end and I do not think I have seen it, at least and certainly have not seen it as an adult without getting teary-eyed when, when she, she leaves. leaves. Yeah. And it always catches me a little bit off guard because <laughs> I'm so excited and invested and everything's going along. And, you know, we are having emotional highs and we're having emotional lows. And I think it's just it's really a great exploration of a wide range of emotions, which I think uh, must be something that I really like. And is not what everybody gets out of it because a lot of people, I think, just talking about other reactions, yeah. don't like Mary Poppins because I do feel that it is too saccharine. Yeah, and uh, the the books which I've read a little bit of, not all of, um, she's she's much uh, much more harsh in the yeah. books. She still has magic, right? She does, but she's but uh, she's a real taskmaster, right? Yeah, yeah, just kind of that like. The twinkle in her eye toward the people around her isn't there. It's like all the other actions. Um, and it's, I honestly don't even remember if I finished the book, uh, but I probably read the first half of it. And it, But again, that's been a while. But I was struck by how different she is in the books than um, in the in the musical, which yeah. is, you know, And that's a, a whole, whole separate thing, thing right, it's with her thing. creator and yep. if they made a whole movie about the, the creator's relationship. Uh, what was the author's name? Uh, Peel Travers. Right. And she had a whole relationship with, uh, with working with Disney and wanting it to be closer to the books and not. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think she had a real problem with it being a musical and with animation. Okay. Um, and had mixed reactions <laughs> to the movie itself. Did she also just hate the concept of fun? <laughs> <laughs> you can make a fun movie, Disney, but no singing, so, no animation. <laughs> and she needs to be meaner. Right. So I, I'm sure she has her own perspective. I'm sure she does. I was reading in preparation for this just a very quick little um, interview that an author had managed to get to talk to like 92-year-old. Uh, and I apologize. I'm not remembering what the P stands for. So I'll just keep calling her P.L. Travers. Yeah. Uh, and she lived in London. Um, and the author had gone to see her and was a big fan of the books and was saying something and said, now, where is... Cherry Tree Lane, which is the lane that the Banks lives on, which is where Mary Poppins takes place. And the Weird Admiral. 
and the weird admiral and it's where we meet bert you know, the chimney sweep and where all where basically everything takes place that's part of this world unless they're going on a specific outing yeah uh, and on his way to her house he had noticed that there were stars in the sidewalk outside of her house and uh, he had commented on that earlier in their conversation and so he's like but where you know, and she's like, oh, it's fiction. He's like, I, I know it's fiction, but where did you picture it? Was there a certain neighborhood within London where you pictured it? And she's like, oh, between the stars and the pavement and World's End. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just beautiful. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, even if at that. And she said at that point in the same article uh, that she didn't remember writing the books. And so when she would reread them, it was a surprise to her because she didn't remember, you know, she was in her mid 90s and didn't really remember what had happened. Okay. So, so this is a, a quirky person. So quirky some of person. that quirky person with an edge, maybe strong, uh, striving to be full of wonder and joy is maybe mm-hmm. a little bit where Mary Poppins came, comes from. Yeah. Because I was struck by that too. Mary Poppins seems like in the movie a character that is holding herself back a little. Oh, yeah. Because in particular, you know, with back and forth with Bert, particularly when they go to see the laughing guy and they're, they're telling all the jokes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, this isn't really proper. But you get that sense that, she would like to join in, but like <laughs> she's almost afraid of unleashing full 100% Mary Poppins. I've always taken it that she doesn't feel like the people around her can take it. Mm, that, that she they can't take uh, 100% you know, Mary yeah. Poppins. Yeah. Like imagine in the world of like that she's like Glinda the Good Witch and she's, you know, amazing in a whole separate connected imagine she's the doctor which i know is a comparison that happens a lot and it was going to be my next question so i'm glad you brought it up okay you know that um and you know the doctor doctor who um is that she is this person who has seen a lot and has a lot of experiences and i've always felt like some of that restrained perspective to her especially in scenes like when they're on the the roof or not the roof, the ceiling in the, where her uncle's laughing Ed Wood, Um, and they all rise Edwin. to the ceiling. Edwin. Edwin. <laughs> Ed Wood would be a very different Very different. different. <laughs> Ed Wood and Mary Poppins. Crossover. <laughs> Poppins nine from outer space. Um, yes, Edwin. And, um, but I've always felt like it's that part, a little bit of that. And also if we can talk for a second about the movie is set in 1910. Very and I explicitly. feel like very explicitly and very specifically because I feel like a lot of it is because um, and I'm just going to go on for a bit here because of the, the children's mother we haven't talked about, but she has always been one of my favorite characters. She's um, very active in the suffragette movement and there's these songs about the suffragettes and um, it's such a time where like, you know, are women pushing forward? Some women already have, some women are feeling like they need to stay back so I feel like it is also very much within the magical realm Mary Poppins needs feels the need to contain herself but there's also that like what can society take yeah yeah in the 1910 world and probably also in the 1964 world when the movie was made yeah and we're definitely going to talk about that okay. a little bit more because that was a thing I really wanted to ask you about uh, back to we the haven't doctor. had a chance to talk about it in person as humans <laughs> so we're going to talk about it on the podcast as humans uh, but I do I love what you're saying about her uh, she kept reminding me of the doctor partially because that like oh wow you have these extremes being very stern mm-hmm. very full of wonder and joy very caring and a little impatient with these people who are a little bit not as amazing as you are mm-hmm. um but also that sense like you know the the doctor's 
can never really say his name because people wouldn't even understand it. You know, mm-hmm. you almost get the sense like in a not in a even scary way, but just like this isn't even my true form. If I showed you my <laughs> true form, you, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. You'd lose your mind. You know, like, yeah, I'm made of rainbows in a color that humans can't see. Like, you know, like right. you get the sense that there's so much more there. Yeah. How would you feel if there ever was a canonical story where uh, it was revealed that Mary Poppins was a regeneration of the doctor? <laughs> would you be OK with that? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think I would be. I mean, I know there's there there. Ha- I haven't read or I know this is a thing that has come up a lot, but I feel like, yeah, I would be OK with that Um, without either one. Uh, acquiring ownership of the other. I, like, you know what? I, yeah, I would like it I better like if it she was revealed like, that she was a Time Lord as well. Yes. Yes, and let them be their yeah, own characters. Their own thing. Yes, yep. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a real specific question because yeah. my mind got stuck on it. So the wind that brings her mm-hmm. and the wind that sends her away, yep. she talks like she has no agency over the wind, of the wind brought me here. Mm-hmm. And then, well, when the wind changes, it's time for me to go. Is she lying? Is she controlling the wind or is she truly at the whims of the wind? Like, would she, if the wind happened to blow before she was done teaching the Banks family what they needed to be happier, would she have said like, oh, too bad and just let the wind take her? That is a great question. And here's where I thought you were going with that is because she comes in on, I think, the east wind and there's a whole bunch of l- nannies lining up <laughs> to apply for the position of nanny to the Banks children. And they just get blown and away. And they get blown Literally. away. Like, really funny amazing like blown up into the sky yeah like not blown up bang, but somewhere like, in whoosh. the Thames, maybe yeah yeah and so and you you turn and ask me like do you think she did that i was like yes i do think she did that but i was gonna say no she doesn't control the wind um so here's actually what i think i think mary poppins is in sync with the wind i feel like <laughs> mary poppins is part of mother nature mm. the wind is also part of mother nature and so maybe she has that sense and maybe it's not like, you know, the wind shifts a little bit every day. So it's not every time right. we go from like south, southeast to southeast, she's going to leave. But if it switches from a big wind from the east versus a big wind from the west. So but you, she has some sense of like, what's the barometric pressure doing? OK, so you think like she can feel like I have two more days left for the banks. Maybe and then the wind's going to change. So I'm going to wrap this up. It's a great question. I, um, there's multiple books in this series, and I haven't read the others, so maybe I'll need to read the others and okay. see what happens. All right. Well, I'll just Google, does the wind control Mary Poppins, <laughs> or does Mary Poppins control the wind? Or maybe the new movie will tell us. Maybe, maybe. Emily Blunt will tell us. Maybe that's what Mary Poppins returns, colon, Attack of the Wind. That's right. <laughs> that's a terrible Colin, title. I control the wind. <laughs> I control the wind. Um, I We talked about this a little bit in person, but I'm going to make an I statement and then I, I would like you to respond to it instead of asking you a loaded question. I 100% felt watching the film that Bert was totally into Mary Poppins in a romantic way. I read the Wikipedia. I know the author didn't want it to be romantic and that the intention of the film allegedly was platonic. I'm not saying anything lascivious. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it seems like like Bert and Mary Poppins have either dated or Bert really wants to. Because I've always he's taken... Like, sorry, go ahead. He's... I mean, just it's just like the way he's so excited when she comes and when he's like, at the end, when he's like, come back soon, Mary Poppins. Like, that's not a friend, come back soon, Mary Poppins. That's a, you know... And they, they go courting. They go on the, the weird chalk date. Yeah, yeah. The 
Sorry. No, go for it. That, that, <laughs> that was my long I statement because okay. I didn't want to just ask you, do you think Bert has a thing for Mary? I wanted to lay out my opinion and see yeah. what your thoughts were. Here, here are my thoughts. I have always taken it, especially with that um, that outing in the chalk drawing, that they're they're on a date. Yeah. You know, they're out they're out walking or, you know, dancing. Like and that's I've always taken it that way. And I reread uh, a chapter in the book in preparation for this podcast, which is about just the two of them going into the chalk drawing, not with the kids. Really? They and left they're the going kids behind. On, well, it's on her day off. Okay. And they <gasps> it's basically like a day out on the town, which to me has always been a um you know, it's, I don't remember when the books were written in 1920s or something, we'll okay. say, but I, I honestly don't remember. So it's not, you know, I don't, I've never felt like, oh, Bert has a lascivious side to him for Mary. I mean, maybe he does, but it's a very kind of chaste longing for Mary to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it's a real. <laughs> sorry. sorry, there were some hand gestures no, that I, made yeah, it sorry. extra funny. Okay. Anyway. Um, I've always felt like it's a very. It's a very honest, but I've always taken it as he thinks she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Plenty of other people think she's amazing, too, because she is amazing. Yeah. Full stop. But I've always taken it, books and movie, that he that they are in some version of courting. Yeah. Whatever that is in the 1910 version of, you know, like going on a date. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Bert is also a magical creature? Because this this whole this whole world feels heightened and magical, right? Yeah. Um, do you think Bert is is like uh, a familiar to whatever <laughs> celestial being Mary Poppins is, or is it just that like he's gotten to like there are a lot of kids in that general neighborhood who have problems, and she's blown in a lot of times in Bert's lifetime. I feel like. Um, I don't feel like Bert necessarily has powers. Okay. But I feel like Bert is familiar with them, is kind of the grounded soul that you turn to that everybody knows can help. Okay. But he doesn't necessarily, like, I I feel like whatever Mary Poppins' powers are, are they're unique. Yeah. And she knows other people who have other situations like her uncle who laughs and you know floats to the ceiling of the room and that's mary poppins uncle that's the way it's presented okay um that he you know basically he starts laughing and can't stop i love to laugh uh (laughs) is the name of the song but i but i feel like mary poppins bag of tricks is hers okay yeah that makes sense to me that makes sense it's just that's my head cannon the way he knows everything he knows so much about her and they've seen each other before and he, you get the sense that he, he's going to see her again and not like mm-hmm. it's going to be like Mary Poppins only comes once every 55 years and that's the one time I got to see her but it was really like she's going to be gone for three to six months and then a kid next door to the banks will need her and she'll blow in <laughs> and we'll hang out because apparently Bert can't travel farther than well, <laughs> three square blocks but I get the feeling with Bert because here's the thing about Bert in the movie that I appreciated so much watching it this time and I remember appreciating before as an adult is, you know, we see him first and he's got this whole like one person brass band, cymbals, drums, things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he's a busker, but it's with this amazing like one person brass band. And then we, then he said, you know, it starts to rain. So he's going to go sell chestnuts. And then we see him as a sidewalk artist. And then we see him selling kites. I feel like Bert is one of those people that I, this is totally my headcanon. 
that he like he, I feel like he is part of the fabric of London. Ooh. And he he can appear. He probably spends the morning, you know, like over in, you know, Kensington and the afternoon over in Whitechapel or something. Like I not that he actually does that, but I feel like I don't feel like for him to know Mary Poppins, she has to come back to Trade Tree Lane. I feel like Bert is kind of everywhere in London. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yes, yes, because there's so much. I have culturally always heard him described as he's the chimney sweep with the bad Cockney accent. But but you're right. <laughs> it's clearly that chimney sweep section is such a big part of the movie and the whole dance mm-hmm. that I was thinking of him in my head as the chimney sweep guy who's doing some other things on the side. But you're right. He's doing everything. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a part where he's uh, selling deli meat that we didn't just exactly it's a deleted scene yep it's over by St. Paul so he's over on that side of London like I just feel like he yeah. I don't feel like he is um, tied to a place yeah okay I think Bert's a little magical not in the same way and not as powerful mm-hmm. but he's like a magic whisperer like he's magic aware yeah oh right. definitely yeah so uh, this is where I wanted to get to with some of the things that you were talking about, yeah. uh, about how feminist of a movie this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as you were saying, we have, it's the first or the second song, right? The whole suffragette movement. Yeah. That It's the opening of the movie. Yeah, that she is actively going out and fighting for the right for women to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, they're real explicit over the top uh, in, a, in a fun way about that, it, that it's 1910. And it, yes. almost winking at the audience of saying... You know, different times, older times. Yeah. And like that, they're making that a part of the argument of the movie. So you have the the suffragettes. We have just the agency of Mary Poppins Mm -hmm. that she's going to do what she is going to do, period. Mm -hmm. And she's not going to answer to anyone. And she knows uh, what is right. Um, And I think there is a real criticism of toxic masculinity. I think that's really totally uh, long before that uh, that term was coined. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with the dad, but everything that's going on with the dad, that he has that song about how everything is right, everything is perfect, and the children are quiet and they're in bed and I get my meal at the exact time, and that a lot of the crux of the plot ends up being, well, it appears as though he has all the power, but in his desperate attempt to to hold on to all that power, he's rotting inside because he has no feelings and no joy because the societal structures say that joy shouldn't matter to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Being a big guy at the bank and controlling your family should be a big deal. And that's actually made you a sad, broken disaster of a human, mm-hmm. which to me is a real great criticism of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. So taking all those things together, what do you feel like is the feminist statement of Mary Poppins? Ooh, um, I'm going to start with not quite answering that question That's just while fine. I think about it. But, but here's the thing in the song that really spoke to me this time. The so suffragette song? The suffragette song. So it's some, like we're sister soldiers of suffrage something. Um, and, you know, and she's very explicit about, you know, we have to go, you know, Emily Pankhurst is, you know, change herself to the jail again. Like they're very explicit they're about activists. exactly what is going on yeah. about the people who are in jail, about needing to bring, you know, she's going to go lead them in song to raise their spirits. Um, but that there's a line and maybe it's just because it rhymed the best within the song, but I feel like it is so, um, so apt when, uh, she says our daughter's daughters will adore us. Yeah. Um, and we'll raise, you know, their in joyful chorus. Well done sister suffragettes. Uh, I love it. It makes me happy. I, it's such a fun, like energetic song. She's dancing around. She's got the help dancing around with her. And um, 
And she's like going out and doing this out, doing this every day. It she's seems doing like this on it. the daily. Yeah. 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 Like that's why she doesn't have time to take care of her children is because she's, <laughs> she's busy out fighting the fight for yeah. women's rights. Um, so I feel like this one of the things that I like about it is I feel like it is there. It is there is zero question that it is part of the fabric of 1910. Mm-hmm. It's not always the first thing that comes up when people talk about 1910 and talk about, you know, kind of pre-World War One um, history. Yeah. And, you know, in in English speaking t- countries. Um, but I feel like it is front and center without without having to point an arrow at it. Yeah. I'm still having answered your question. I'm I'm just thinking out loud here. No, I think uh, I, I think you are uh, uh, getting around to it. So there's the the very clear idea of it, it's not a wink and a nod. In that case, it is this is something that needed to be needed to be uh, fought for in yeah. 1910. Mm-hmm. But this movie came out in 1964. Yeah. What do you feel like the intent or the statement was in 1964? Um, you pointed out that great line, our daughters' daughters will adore us, mm-hmm. which just hearing that line and not even being, I've listened to Hamilton, I like it, I appreciate the quality of it, but just hearing the line, our daughters' daughters will adore us, I'm like, of course Lin-Manuel Miranda should be in, <laughs> in the sequel. That's such a yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda type line. It's so great, so powerful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in meaning and just verbally. Yeah. Um, but, but the line suggests that this is a long-term fight. Yeah. So in the film is made in 1964. Mm-hmm. Looking back 54 years on 1910, what do you feel like the in, the intent or the thought was? Did, did, do you think the thought was like our daughters daughters are adoring us now, and now we got a sequel that's going to come out almost <laughs> the same amount of time difference? You know, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much exactly. Right? Yeah, real yeah. close. Um, I. Uh, I, I'm not going to claim to speak for the creators at the time. I don't know that that was on Walt Disney's mind, but I feel like it is a sense of, I will always come back to some history here. So um, I I feel like right now in our current modern times, we are um, we have a heightened awareness again because of a lot of the other fights that are going on in our current world and environment. Um, including about women's rights and the place of women that um, that we have more awareness of it right now. But I feel like it's really uh, like many topics, something that's gone through peaks and valleys yeah. in terms of what people are aware of. And certainly, you know, like 1964, you know, you're absolutely into, I don't remember my feminist theory, second wave feminism, I think uh, around that time. So it's certainly present, um, but also kind of looking at what did, what was an earlier wave? What did people do earlier? And, okay, if I'm going to put words in people's mouths. Please do. <laughs> um, and I I might be totally provably wrong about this. But if you think about some of the um, kind of women's lib of the 60s and just taking the, the mentality of that time or even of later than that and think about um, just purely the fashion of women in the 1910s and you know they're in their petticoats yeah and they've got their hats and their gloves and there's such a feeling from people later that people at that time period were so repressed right and i think that's part of what i love about mrs banks is yes she is there in her petticoat 
and she is marching up and down, you know, the bleeping street. She is, does not care. <laughs> That's what she's here for. And it's kind of that like, yeah, whatever. We all have constraints no matter what the time period is, no matter what's going on. We find a way to fight and we fight for what the situation is right there. Yeah. So I feel like you've got that on one level. And then I feel like you've also got um, Mary Poppins for a moment. We'll just pretend that she's human. Yeah. But you've, I feel like Mary Poppins is um, an indicator. I feel like there have always been people like Mary Poppins who they do not care what the status quo is. They have, you know, get themselves in a place through their own individual metal or whatever else that they can strive and survive and succeed even if other people can't. Yeah. And that's nothing against other people. Um, but I just feel like uh, there are some people at different times throughout history who have been able to like push through and just be themselves. Yeah. And I feel like Mary Poppins is one of those people. Okay. So you feel like in general, uh, Mary Poppins is a, a statement of finding power regardless of your situation to Maybe, the best of your yeah. ability. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not like this isn't, uh, you know, I don't have a blue book. This isn't an essay. This isn't SATs. <laughs> you don't have to have the answer to this question. I don't I have the answer. I'm just thinking out loud. Pose it. But I, do yeah. th- I, I think your point about um, the fight for equality and the fight uh, for just owning your own power, whether it is a battle against yourself or mm-hmm. a battle against unfair institutions, yeah, that it is always a battle with peaks and valleys yeah and it is uh uh um not always defined externally yeah yeah that's a good summation okay (laughs) good (laughs) well i have a little bit more that maybe we can unlock (laughs) i was really struck by uh and i think it it ties in it's not specific to feminism but i think it ties into particularly the toxic masculinity which really affected me of it's got this interesting theme of the about social status Mm -hmm. like uh so for example that mr mr banks which his name is banks and he works at the bank and the bank gets criticized a lot so there's that Mm -hmm. to begin with but (laughs) mr banks and all of the people at the bank they're all portrayed as stiff and unfeeling uh and controlling they are literally contained in that dark vault uh when that came on the screen you made the great joke uh, that it looked like the Black Lodge from Twin Peaks, but it also looks exactly like Snoke's throne room in Last Jedi, which was inspired <laughs> by the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, funny, so, yeah. Which might have all been inspired latently in David Lynch's mind by watching Mary Poppins when he was a kid in Missoula, Montana. Right. But it does have that, like, this is a dark, contained sanctum yeah. where people are trying to control other people. So there's, like, it is a clear portrait of... The status quo, the moneyed men, is broken. Mm-hmm. And then in contrast to that, very quickly in the movie, then you get the chimney sweeps, the people who are supposed to just quietly, in filth, do the work for not much money. And they, instead of being down in a, in a blood-red vault, being cruel, they explode through the rooftops and enjoy a view of London that nobody else gets to see yeah. and dance and sing and invite other people to have fun. I mean, that it, it, that really surprised me. Like, yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm enough of a fan of classic film that I'm not surprised to find subversive ideas in classics that we generally think of as being, oh, it's a classic. What's, what The most safe and harmless film in the world is Mary Poppins, but it's... it's 
still a delight to find like such a blatant the money people belong in a vault underground because they're monsters Mm -hmm. and the working class belong on the rooftops singing and dancing and celebrating their humanity yeah and having a party and having a party like Mm -hmm. i was blown away by how blatant that is yeah yeah i mean i feel like the i don't i think part of it is i don't feel like there's a lot of i mean there you can always find um hidden you know messages but i feel like a lot of what the movie is trying to say is is blatant if you look at it with just kind of one step back like that of yep the bankers are in the vault the chimney sweeps are up top mr banks has this whole song about how um you know a, a british man's house should be in order i come home at 601 my pipe is ready at 602 my children are there at 603 at 604 i get to have dinner uh you know like it's so it's really funny it's really funny and then everything that you see around him even during the song is everybody else in the household doing all of the household work and getting the sense that he has the position of head of household but he does not have the head of household power yes and i think honestly that's a thing that i always took away from this is just the like oh look isn't that interesting that he thinks he's in charge but actually it's cook and the nanny and uh, Ellen, the housemaid, and Mrs. Banks, um, who are in charge. And really, it's the help who are in charge uh, even more than Mrs. Banks. They're the ones who keep everything running. Yeah. And I love the breakdown of that in the movie, um, which might be getting ahead of no, no, to another question. But when the kids are at the bank with the father and they um, cause a run on the bank and run away, <laughs> <laughs> as happens, <laughs> um, and they that's where chimney sweet Bert finds them and does have this great um this this great conversation with them about their dad is who he feels bad for and it's it's not even in a I mean it is in a in a masculine way but it's not exactly in a like he must be the tough man but it's just that very breaking it down to kids of you know you have Mary Poppins looking out for you me looking out for you if all these people looking out for you who's looking out for him yeah. If he has a bad day, who can he talk to? And you've seen this whirling around him household where most of them don't necessarily have anybody they can talk to. And you see how much that is um, not working. Yeah. Uh, dysfunctional. Yeah. And and you get the sense that the whole reason that, that Mary Poppins is there is because the children are allegedly so uncontrollable. Yeah. And it feels like the movie is saying, well, they just really need and want more attention from their father yeah um yeah and and more humanity yeah and as a result of mary poppins being there the whole household becomes more functional and they talk to each other and they laugh and they sing and not that anything is ever as as easy and one two three as that i mean it is a disney movie after all but um but i feel like it does a really good interesting job of breaking down most of the characters yeah I was so fascinated by that, what you're talking about with the that real turning point in the movie of like, uh, your father worries about all of these things. He worries about everything constantly, but who worries about him? And at first, it, it honestly angered me because I thought it was a very dated reminder of reinforcing the status quo mm-hmm. that the the man is the most important 
and the money maker and like this poor oh mm-hmm. we should worry about the rich person with all of the power who barks and gets his way and then when i realized where the movie was actually going with that is that he was his soul had been scooped out by this horrible bank job where he couldn't have any humanity and suddenly it became not about him as an individual but the system that he was trapped in mm-hmm. and that he successfully breaks by telling a joke at the bank yeah. and inadvertently killing his boss with laughter, which is like, that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. <laughs> Death by laughter. That's not saccharine to me. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And then they um, go fly a kite. <laughs> and then they go fly a kite and it's all beautiful. Uh, all right. So wrapping up our main topic, I'm yeah. letting this episode go long because I'm enjoying it so much and I have a martini to finish. <laughs> My favorite scene with I loved all these deep thematics that, but my favorite scene was the uh, the courting with Mary Poppins and Bert mm. and the dance with the animals, the yeah. amazing animated dance. It's like I've seen clips of it, but I didn't know it went on for like twenty seven beautiful minutes or however long that is. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, as yeah. a dancer, if you could dance with any cartoon animal, Ooh. what animal would you dance with? Oh goodness. Oh, so many options. Um, I want to dance with a kangaroo. A kangaroo? Really? Yeah, as Why? As long as they don't kick me. Just because it'd be fun. Like, they could hop over me and we, like, it seems like we could do, like, a little kangaroo waltz and then a little, uh, they could do the acrobatics while I slide on the floor or something. Yeah, I don't know. you could do some shadow boxing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like fun. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, here is uh, our final question for the main topic. If... Mary Poppins visited us. Yes. If the wind blew her here to Hollywood. Yeah. Or she controlled the wind and blew herself to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What do you think she would help us with? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a noise <laughs> oh. for my partner to make on a podcast. Oh, no, no, no. I just, I, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, here's, here's what I'm thinking about is that spoonful of sugar right now. I've, well, we have a lot of dirty dishes on the counter and I'm just, I'm thinking uh. about some, some piles of papers that I have next to my computer. So I, I was thinking about the tidying up that I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking about the mm, noises she would make upon seeing us. She would pull out her little measuring tape <laughs> and uh, would measure us and it would say something like unnecessarily uh Untidy okay. or something like that. <laughs> Prone to piling would my, be mine, I think. Yeah. I like that. So you think that she would just help us get, because you and I are both people who in our spirits, in our souls, we're organizers, mm-hmm. but in practice, because we're busy and stressed, not everything's not as neat as I know we both want it to be in our yeah. souls. Yeah. So how do you think she'd help with that? A nice song and dance and yeah. teach us to snap our fingers and our piles would go? Yep. Nice. We have a spoonful of sugar to make the papers be organized. The papers <laughs> are filed. Papers are set. Uh, yeah, no, I think that would be fantastic. I, I don't feel like that's all she would do here. I just, that that was the reason for the noise. Let's <laughs> just be like, oh, I feel like she would be disappointed. But then she'd help us and it would be beautiful. And you already Happy. wrote the song for her. <laughs> so we're set. There we go. Let's move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Okay. So do you think about Mary Poppins every day? Uh, in general, no, but in the last few days, yes. Yeah, because the mo- seeing it again really struck a chord, right? Yeah, it did. How When you're thinking about it in these last couple of days, is it just like, wow, I love that? Or are you thinking more about specific details? Oh, I'm thinking about details. 
about the actual movie itself, some of the details that I noticed this time that I hadn't noticed before, thinking about the music, um, just wanting to understand it in the context of when it was made more, like the actual context of the filmmaking in, in 1960s, like some of what I was blathering on about as though I had a clue of what they were actually thinking, but actually wanting to know more about the behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and we can do some research on that, yeah. but even without research, like it's clear from watching it and knowing just the general history of the movie, this was a, all of the special effects, all of the animation were like meant to blow you out of your, oh, your chair. Right. I mean, yeah, they were absolutely meant to, they were, you know, amazing, for their, I'm not an animation historian, but they're amazing, you know, for their time. They're amazing for a long time after their time. It won a bunch of awards, I think, for animation. I believe Julie Andrews won Best Oscar, Best Actress Oscar. Um, and I believe this was her first time on film. Yeah. Um, because Oof. she had been a, a Broadway star prior to this. So it was it was amazing from both technical and story and uh, character aspects. Yeah. Cool. Uh what would it take for you to get a Mary Poppins tattoo? I know you're not a tattoo Ooh. person, yeah. but what would it take? It would take for me to be a tattoo person, but if I were a <laughs> tattoo person, Mary Poppins, or perhaps her umbrella. I really like that bird handle that she has on the umbrella. Ooh, yeah, and it or talks just, at one point, right? It does. It talks at the end, uh, telling her that she is feeling more sentimental than she is admitting, and she closes its mouth. Okay, see, this uh, is the nature of this weird... film to me. Is like, I, I would have believed I dreamt that, but yes, it was yeah. there. No, it's like, it's something along the lines of like, you you won't admit it, but you do care. And it's got a weird tongue, I'm going to say. <laughs> I hadn't noticed before, but it has a weird tongue. Uh, so I think like the open umbrella with the parrot on the bottom would maybe be the symbol that I like. Mm. Um, because that's easier than jumping into a chalk drawing. Okay. Or just the, the chim-chim tree, but that could be interpreted as so many other things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would be interested. In, maybe not in a tattoo, but a T-shirt of the Mary Poppins silhouette. Like mm-hmm. it is really iconic. Yep. You know, there's a great joke in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Right. Um, but but now that I understand sort of like uh, the meaning and the message behind who Mary Poppins is, like I, I might need me some Mary Poppins merch. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> uh, would you wear a T-shirt? Speaking of T-shirts, that says. Ask me about Mary Poppins. <laughs> it depends on the location. Okay. If I was in a, a location where that was appropriate or I felt like talking to whoever took me up on my t-shirt, then yes. If yeah. I was, you know. Like not at a wake or, you know. I, or, you know, I, I don't work at a place where I can wear t-shirts, so I'm not right. going to wear it to work. But um, if I were in an appropriate place, possibly. Yeah. Would you want to be engaged that much? Like if we went to a party mm-hmm. and we knew some people there but didn't know all the people there and you had a t-shirt that just said, ask me about Mary Poppins <laughs> in an environment where people are looking for an agreed upon topic to yeah. have conversation about. Uh, that might be fit kind of fun. Yeah. But it, it would have to be the right location. I don't feel like I need to just go out and like randomly tap a stranger on the shoulder and be like, let me, do you want to know about Mary Poppins? Do you want to know what my thoughts are? Do you want to know what my favorite song is? Yeah, I mean, there's the sharing and then there's the absorbing. Yeah. Uh, how much you want to hear other people's opinions. I would love to hear other people's opinions. Okay, because I, I do feel like there's lots of ways to interpret it. Yeah, yeah. I do too. All right. And I feel like uh, <laughs> I'm going to say something obvious. Now. I feel like I have a very sp- sp- specific perspective. Yeah. Uh, being that it's mine, you know. <laughs> huh, there we go. Deep well, insights good. from Sarah. No, I, sometimes people don't have a specific uh, perspective. Sometimes it is just like, yeah, this is the agreed upon cultural knowledge of what it means. Yeah, and I guess I don't mean like, oh, I've got deep insights. I just mean like, 
I know that I have a very specific reaction for a multitude of reasons um, and that some of my reactions change over time. But I also absolutely do not think that most people necessarily have the same joy and love of Mary Poppins that I do. So I would love to hear why they do or don't like it. And why. Ooh, okay. Yes, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Uh, if Mary Poppins was real mm-hmm. and running for president, would you vote for her? Well, it would depend on what her other platforms were, but I would at least consider it. <laughs> now, she has magically made it possible for uh, people uh, of British descent to be the American president. So right too. there, there's magic. Yeah. If she's actually British. Well, I was going to say, we don't know where she's from. And we don't know how far the wind blows her, because like, we were talking about that. Like, does she go up to Edinburgh, even? Or is right? she just London-based? Yeah. Yeah. Is she over in Singapore sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did she go to Malaysia ever? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, you would you would have to hear her other platforms. I would. Okay. What if she was just a, sort of a, um, a modern progressive, mm-hmm. but also Mary Poppins? Well, yeah. <laughs> Mary Poppins, yo. <laughs> okay. Um, would you be more likely to buy an umbrella if you saw a commercial where Mary Poppins was endorsing you to buy this specific umbrella? Oh, you made a face. Oh, I did. Yeah. No. I wouldn't. No, because she's not that kind of crass commercialist, right? She wouldn't no, do that. No. You would say that that's a fake Mary Poppins. I would. It's I an would imposter. Say, who did they get permission from to use Mary Poppins' image? <laughs> so it in Until fact I know you, more, I boycott this company. So you would be, in fact, less likely if some fake-ass Mary Poppins tried to sell you an umbrella. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Uh, would you hold an entire conversation in Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent? <laughs> If I could, I would, but I don't think I have any capacity for that. Can we try just There's, a little? You've had... Oh, I I thought you were going to ask me so many other different questions for the... I No, wow. Um, hi there, Mary. <laughs> oh, it's a dolly holiday with you, dear. <laughs> Super cow... Yeah, that's, we're going to just leave it at that. There you go. All right. Listen and enjoy. Uh, later this evening, we can have a conversation <laughs> where we both attempt a Dick Van Dyke Cockney accent. <coughs> if people, this goes back to that party question a little bit. So if you're at a party and people were just dragging the movie Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. just complaining about it, how would you handle it? Because I, yeah. I know that you're not a person who, who wants, you don't want to engage in conflict unless you, you absolutely have to. So how would you handle that? Yeah. So, um, so this would be a situation where it would depend a little bit on what the situation is. If it's right. like, if it's a group conversation and I I know anybody in the group, so I feel like I have people who know me, um, I would be willing to jump in. If it's something where it's like, I, there's a table full of people over here dragging on Mary Poppins, but I don't know any of them and I don't need to join them, I'm not going to interrupt them. Right. But if I have a group of people at a party, I know half them, we're having a conversation, and it's like, eh, boo, Mary Poppins. Now, having rewatched it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm used to liking unpopular musicals, so <laughs> this is not a conversation that I'm uh, that I'm not familiar with, and I feel like I usually approach it from, I understand that other people don't like it. I like hearing your reasons. I have my own reasons for why I do really like it, okay, and so I feel you- like that's an opening to it because it's coming from, I like it for my reasons, and I also acknowledge that other people have their own reasons um, for why they don't like it. So you would try to present your argument. I w- Not argument necessarily, you would present your perspective. I would certainly present my perspective that I like it. 
Um, and depending on, you know, how heated the conversation is, if it's, you know, like in the middle of like, oh, we hate this and oh, we hate this. And I'd be like, hey, just, you know, for other perspectives, I really like it. Thanks. Bye. Super casual precious. It gives me all the nourishes. And I'd like, <laughs> why not? I'd fly off into the sky with the west wind. Let's go discuss a kite. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. I think that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Would you like a huge Mary Poppins mural painted on our living room wall or ceiling? No. <laughs> Now, if it's just the clouds and somewhere that we knew about was the shadow of Mary Poppins flying down through the clouds. The shadow of Poppins. On the ceiling, that I would would totally go for. But And that's just partly me. Like, I don't, I like things that are a little bit more subtle, not super overt, especially for like our living room. We are in the process of putting things on our our walls Mm -hmm. and we are finding the balance of uh, pop culture representation. Mm -hmm. So a huge mural would be too much. Yes. Too much Mary Poppins, all Mary Poppins all the time. But if we had like, a, our ceiling was painted like beautiful clouds, and then in one corner, there's oh, a silhouette of Mary Poppins yeah. flying down, I would uh, totally be up for that. Yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, right? Okay, that's a plan. Mary okay, Poppins can help go. us with that when she shows up. <laughs> uh, do you want people to actually float in the air when they laugh? <laughs> I think it'd be really dangerous outside. <laughs> Right? Like, is there is there floating height? Like, is there just a natural buoyancy level where you don't go above a certain level? Or oh, do you yeah, just yeah. keep you floating get, up? You get to a certain point and you have to think of something really sad. Yeah. So like, just do you just keep fall? going up otherwise? Or is there like, <laughs> you know how they, you know, with drones are talking about like, oh, we're going to have like the whatever, you know, this layer of the air is for the drone space because, you know, at right, this, this thousand feet is, is for like private find something cloud, saw a crowd. really funny meme. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, this is the flying, this is the laughter zone so i would need to know a little bit more about the specifics <laughs> i'm starting to think you would be a very good politician because uh, many of your answers to these is like well i need to know more data <laughs> understandably so uh this is not a how obsessed are you question i just remembered it is something that i wanted to get your take on yeah because it's one of the things that blew my mind about oh, yeah. the movie mm-hmm. it's called mary poppins yeah we talk about the oh. character of mary poppins we all love mary poppins uh-huh. there feels to me like a chunk of movie where mary poppins disappears and it's all burt all the time when he's with the kids and the and the kids go to the bank and all that yeah is that okay yeah that there's a big chunk of mary poppins where it's like where's my mary poppins it's okay it's okay yeah all right because she makes it okay in the end she shows up at the with the chimney sweeps and it's it's about the influence of mary poppins but the influence of Mary Poppins was not a very good title, so they had to shorten it to Mary Poppins. <laughs> there is also the idea that Mary Poppins clearly wants and needs some alone time. Mm-hmm. And what is this mysterious, possibly Time Lord figure of Mary <laughs> Poppins doing? Mm-hmm. It, did the wind blow her somewhere else? Or is she just... Oh, I think she's there. I think she's only in one place at a time. She's only one place at a yeah. time. Okay, good. That, at least that's my headcanon. I think that, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. I'm so curious what she's up to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess she was kind of inadvertently given the day off because the kids went with their father yeah to the bank yeah 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 maybe she is um watching over a thing that we have not talked about but is honestly one of my other favorite parts of this movie so i'm just gonna say it very briefly um maybe she is uh turns into one of the birds to hang around the bird lady because <laughs> oh, feed yeah. the birds is i think one of the reasons that i have always loved this movie and especially as an adult don't feel like it is i mean there's a lot of reasons why it's not really saccharine but i feel like that is one of the one of the songs that to me is just like it's it 
when I talk about the range of, I'm, I'm, dear podcast listeners, I'm currently clutching my throat with feelings and emotion. <laughs> uh, but just the amount of, just kind of the idea of look, look beyond yourselves, look beyond your world, little children, you know, see the, the lady feeding the birds. She's looking beyond herself to the birds. Look beyond yourselves. Help your father see the bigger picture because that like will help social him. Social responsibility, like, right? Social responsibility, but I also feel like it's help your father mend the broken pieces inside of him by you know showing this to him. And then in terms empathy, of yeah. empathy, and then but with the animation side of it. So if we were to have an item that was inspired by Mary Poppins, I would like to have the snow globe. Ooh, with the birds. She has a snow globe that has instead of snow in it, it's birds. And in the movie, it starts as animation. And then you see the lady behind the scrim and that with animated birds, and then it turns into real birds. We don't need real birds in a snow globe. That would be animal cruelty. But <laughs> it's, and she's sitting on the steps of St. Paul's. So it would be St. Paul's with uh, birds around it. Yeah. And that would be an amount I would like. Okay, that anyway, is good. Back to your I, questions. I, I did not work in too many merch questions into uh, <laughs> this. So now I know what kind of uh, Mary Poppins merch you're in search of. <laughs> Final question. If. <laughs> When you and I go to see Mary Poppins Returns, a bear is blocking the door to the theater. How do you think we should handle it? Mm. Well, first we should wiggle our nose, look <laughs> to the left, sneeze to the right, and then jump into the pavement drawing of the movie theater, and then we can go see it in there. <laughs> so we just go around the bear. Mm-hmm. And then in there, in the chalk world, mm-hmm. the bear is... Gonna sing and dance with us. A fun cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Singing and dancing. It's Roaring. gonna sit in the seat next to us, enjoying the movie, sharing some popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We just made a bunch of noises, but now is the time where I ask you to make a noise to sum up your obsession with Mary Poppins. Oh. <laughs> um, let's see. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's the one that came to my head. It's, it was very much, it goes back to you wanting to be Mary Poppins because it's a very Mary Poppins sound. It's the it sound of analysis and wonder and judgment. Well, because first I was flying up. Hmm? <laughs> then I was nodding about something and jumping into the sidewalk pavement. <laughs> or it could just be supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That's a good noise. I, I accept that as a noise. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to have you rate your obsession on a scale of one to wonder how about (laughs) one being the lowest the number wonder being the highest Uh very magical uh where do you rate yourself are there numbers or words in between who knows okay only mary poppins knows i'm gonna rate myself at 8.75 magical looks <laughs> okay so um <laughs> is that imagining that wonder is 10 uh no i was making wonder okay. kind of a floaty number a floaty number uh, more than 10 though yeah well i i, I guess the uh, i guess what i would like to get to mm-hmm. uh, you know i i cause this all sorts of trouble by using wonder <laughs> as a number but what i would fun. like to get a sincere sense of is like we talked about you grew up with this movie mm-hmm. like a normal person where uh, I think yeah. before we had a, this different relationship with entertainment. I don't even mean it as judgment. Yeah. But now that we do, and now that there's a meme on social media every five minutes of name your top ten movies, now that you can go on Etsy and you can buy unlicensed merch of any damn thing you want and you can express, you can go on Tumblr and you can wa- you can go read Bert and Mary fanfic if you want. Like You can engage with Mary Poppins Mm-hmm. more 
yeah. than you could have back when you were a kid. Where do you feel your obsession level is? How much do you think of just like your soul this is going to fill up? Yeah, I'm going to say that I'm somewhere in the like six to seven range and probably I'm more toward a seven right now, but in general, probably around a six. Like I don't, it's not something I think about all the time. It's not something that I feel the need to express myself with via other things reflecting it. It's just a joy in the story and the creative output of the movie and the songs and with the thing itself. But do you feel like you'll maybe carry some of those not that you don't already, but since you really thought about some of the larger ideas, the yeah. idea of empathy and social responsibility in the whole uh, Bird Lady song. Yeah. And the idea that uh, fighting for equality is not a simple, clear-cut task. It's multifaceted. All those mm-hmm. ideas that we've talked about. Yeah. Do you feel like you'll maybe take some of the ideas of Mary Poppins in... Like um, be excited. I mean, not that you. I'm don't gonna already- sound very full of myself, but I feel like those are ideas I already yeah, carry. Yeah, I my know. Life. Yeah, but yes, yes, you do. But I feel like sometimes our attachment to media is because mm. I, I can't get through a damn podcast without mentioning Star Wars. <laughs> Many human beings have a feeling that they are meant for more if they could just get out there and express themselves yeah and many people have attached that idea to luke skywalker staring at the twin sunsets and mm-hmm. that is an image mm-hmm. that speaks to that universal idea yeah do you feel like you're going to be attaching mary poppins to some of those larger ideas hmm. um yeah yeah i can see that coming through um specifically specifically mary poppins herself and just the idea of kind of what what small gestures you can make in a situation that have a big impact. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. All right. Uh, so we are going to move on to some plug-in. Where can people find you on social media? Right from wonder to plug <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Uh, Sarah, S-A-R-A. Excellent. And Instagram? Instagram, you can find me at Scrimstreet. Nice. Here Where the- lately I post lots of pictures of clouds. We stare at them and see if you can find Mary Poppins. Uh, Here's some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And a special plug for Obsessed. We are doing a live episode of Obsessed at the SF Sketchfest in San Francisco. This is a special one. It's a, it really is. We're doing a live episode where the topic is going to be misunderstood water creatures. <laughs> because I have two awesome guests. I have Rebecca Watson, who mm-hmm. is obsessed with sharks. And then I have Trace Beaulieu, who is obsessed with the movie Creature from the Black Lagoon. Both misunderstood water creatures, right? It's going to be fantastic. So we're going to see where they overlap, where they don't, who's more obsessed. Probably going to be Rebecca. All those (laughs) kind of things. It is Saturday, January 19th, 5.30 at Piano Fight Main Stage. You can get uh, reservations right now on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Just go to the live shows page. All right. Final questions. Yes. If you could add an extra hour to every day, but in that hour, you always had to be doing the same activity every day. So for an hour straight, you're just doing that one activity. What activity would you pick? Oh, um, 
I'm torn. I think I'm going to, I'm torn between reading or walking. Ooh, okay. That's powerful. Or sleeping. Because <laughs> I'm often tired. When I but, thought about this question, I thought everybody's going to just say sleeping, sleeping, aren't they? But, but so if, let's just say I can't choose sleeping. Um, okay, sleeping's off the table. Okay. Reading or walking? It's going to be reading or walking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you walk and listen to an audiobook? You're not an audiobook person. I, when I walk, I like to listen to the world around me. <laughs> <laughs> the birds sing and the clouds move. The horns honk. The horns know. honk. The beautiful dance of Los Angeles. <laughs> it's kind of a safety thing. <laughs> Fair enough. So you, you went with walking. Um, I was going to go with reading, but yeah, I'll go with walking. Did I just change it? No, I, I hadn't decided yet. I was okay. still going back and forth between the two. I think I'm going to go with reading because here's the thing is I love reading, but I it's one of those things that as an adult, I'm not good at making time for in my day to day life. So if I had an hour every day, that was just like, you know, you're a kid, this is nap time. And you're like, this is reading time. And you're magically not going to fall asleep while you're reading. Right. And you just have to read for an hour. That would be amazing. So yeah, I'm going to choose reading. Nice. Nice. Uh, I've asked this of other people on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't believe I've ever asked you, my wife, if you were a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would you be? Would I personally be? (laughs) Yes. Why do you seem? <laughs> well, because it's like, what am I versus what do I want to eat? Like, maybe they're two different. But you're asking, uh, what am I? I yes, yeah, sandwich. Okay. Yeah, what kind of sandwich would you be? Okay. Not if you were a sandwich, what kind of other sandwich would you eat? <laughs> okay, that'd be weird. Um, so first of all, I'm going to be uh, a vegetarian sandwich because I am a vegetarian. Yes, uh, it's going to have really good bread because i really like bread right uh like good like hoagie styled bread it's gonna have some good it's gonna have lots of veggies on there because that good key to a veggie sandwich it's gonna have some lettuce um some cheese a little bit of um some herbs on it yeah. like maybe some oregano some basil um some tomatoes this is you're just describing a delicious <laughs> sandwich what yeah. i think the intent of the question is <laughs> Is to try to try to create a sandwich that somehow reflects you. Okay. Uh. <laughs> it's late and we haven't had dinner yet. I realize that. I'm just making myself I'm really, really hungry, hungry right now. Yeah. I'm like, ooh. I'd like you know to be what a I pizza. want? I want um in Ames, Iowa, there's a deli called Downtown Deli, and I want to be a downtown deli veggie sandwich. Okay. How do, you know what? We're gonna I'm gonna let you be like Mary Poppins. It's a mystery. <laughs> We can't fully know you. Nope. Mary Poppins probably wouldn't tell me what kind of sandwich she'd be. I make it a rule never to explain myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Final question for everyone on the podcast <laughs> is, what is happiness? Laughing until you float. <laughs> that is a great answer. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim true. If you were a sandwich, what is best for you?